Hey everyone, welcome to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton and I'm so excited that you are here with me today. I have a very special guest, Mark Barlow, a phenomenal singer-songwriter, anointed worship leader, and the worship pastor of Isla Vista in Santa Barbara. Isla Vista is an incredible ministry to college students in the Santa Barbara area, and Mark is just a unique guy with such a tender heart for the Lord. He has incredible legacy in his family, in his life, such a desire to be obedient to Jesus and steward the things he's given him well, and I think you're just going to really enjoy and be encouraged by this conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the sacred space. Well, Mark, thanks for joining me yeah. on the podcast. It's very nice to meet you. Nice this to is meet the you first too. time we've met. As I said before we started recording, I have been a fan of yours. I discovered you through Isla Vista and the Soul Hymns Project and then your solo project after that. Uh, Soul, Soul Hymns, right, is, the, is your project. Uh, soul hymns was with Isla Vista, and then I did my own album called Hymns and Souls. Hymns and Souls, with, that's right. Uh, yeah, you know the next the classic swaparoo. The next thing, but um, yeah, I so appreciate your ministry. You have an incredible gift, and yeah, I took a risk and reached out to you through Instagram, and you responded. So I Yay. so appreciate that. Um, yeah, so thanks for being here. Could you share a little bit of your journey, and then you also are now with Isla Vista Worship. In Santa Barbara, I would love people to hear the vision and that ministry and the things that God's doing there. So yeah, wherever you want to start. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's an honor to be here. And uh, yeah, I guess how far back should we start? I listened to a couple of podcasts that you've been on and uh, you were sharing a story about um, you being one of seven and then your parent, what is your dad? One of 14? Yeah. Or that yeah. yeah. So there's some like lineage and legacy going on in your family. So that's kind of cool. Well, I think legacy would be a fun place to start. I, For me, family is the thing that gives music its purpose and meaning in my life because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been family for all of eternity. And then they adopted us in. I guess to start, my grandparents on my dad's side met in uh, college they met and they knew they wanted to change the world and they knew they couldn't do it, just the two of them. So they decided to have 12 disciples. <laughs> That's um, and uh, <sighs> you was just joking. They had a couple more, ended up at 14 and um, they had two requirements of each of these kids. And one of them was you'll pay your way through college. And the other one was you'll learn guitar. And every one of the 14 uh, accomplished those two uh, goals out of their the vision in their heart to change the world, really all 14 of those kids became world changers. And so have the descendants in so many ways. And my mom and dad, they met in college as well. And I won't go into like a whole lot of their story, but um, basically just this idea that like family can change the world has been passed down. And now I, I want a lot of kids one day, that would be incredible. Yeah. And my dad always says, if you want to change the world right now, do something. If you want to change the world in a hundred years, have kids or write a book. Probably having kids is probably the most impactful way. My parents like had all seven of us with that same intention that family can change the world. And a couple of things in our upbringing is that my parents uh, legislated love. They mm-hmm. say you can't do that, but they said, it doesn't matter what comes between you guys. You guys are going to be best friends. And that's that. Hmm. Um, and now all of us are best friends and no, that's cool. And we're all really close and we don't allow anything to come between us. We're actually too uh, <laughs> adamant about clear communication for anything to uh, turn into the silent treatment. Like my family is my favorite part about who I am. I could talk about them forever mm-hmm. and that's all good. of the amazing things that they're doing, the things that they're called to, the way that they love people and yeah, they're my heroes. I'm so proud to be associated with my family. And for me, growing up a pastor's kid was an incredible experience. And actually, all of my siblings would say that my parents did a really good job in like covering us really well. They are no longer pastoring, my mom and dad. They, as of last November, they passed off the church to my brother-in-law, who had never seen himself becoming a pastor. But it was really clear that the grace was on him and that 
he was to be the next guy. And the Lord actually spoke to my dad, a really strong word after 16 years of pastoring. Um, the Lord said, I need you to step out of the way so that I can do the impossible because of his relationship with his dad. My dad's, my dad responds to very fatherly words like that from the Lord really yeah, well. That's a big deal. I, there's a lot of people that I think would, would fight that. That speaks a lot to who he is. For a couple of years, a lot of us had been telling him, dad, I think you should like move on from pastoring because mm. like you need your heart to be fully alive. But he, he stayed there out of faithfulness. And then the Lord spoke those words to him. Mm, and good. then, and then he jumped out, which is really good to like, you know, when the people who you love and trust the most are all saying that the Lord is saying something, and then you, you continue to sit tight until the Lord speaks it directly to you. There's something to be said about that in specific situations. You know, there's other situations where maybe we should pay attention to all the signs earlier on. But um, the fact that he was willing to lay down a vocational ministry career and financial security even um, yeah. into a bunch of uncertainty and just trust the Lord with what's next. You know, I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but you're going to leave. <laughs> exactly. But God has been faithful and has continued to provide. And I'm standing in a place of intercession for like what's next for my parents because both of them are just so equipped for ministry and they're both mm -hmm. 60. I actually want them to come on tour with me on my next tour to be like an undercover ministry team. That's awesome. Um, and because they came to one of my shows in Nashville recently and they just started loving people and blessing people and they invited some of my fans out to dinner and these people got totally impacted by me just getting to have my parents at my show. Oh, I love that. So good. That's a dream in my heart, you know, speaking back into like the fact that family is like everything to me and it yeah. brings so much purpose and passion to my music. And none of my albums would have been possible if it hadn't been for the people who God has placed around me as family, supporting me and loving me and throwing down in so many different ways for me to see these dreams in my heart to come to pass, which really are just songs. I just want songs from heaven to be poured out through my life. And if the word says that the streets in heaven are made of gold, that means that there were streets in heaven before there were streets on the earth. Mm, and I just good. wonder what else, what else mm. is there? It just yeah, opens good. me up in wonder to like, is there new technology in heaven? Yeah. Is there new songs in heaven? Yeah. Is there wisdom in heaven that will answer the problems of the earth? Yeah. Yeah. Is there the key to every human heart? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And and I want to be somebody who listens. And I think that's one of my uh, hopes and dreams for my life. I would say the biggest directive of my life is I really want people to see the Father for who He really is. It's mm, good. And I'm so thankful for my earthly father. We're so close and there isn't anything that I wouldn't tell him. And that open heart communication and status of trust has been built over a very long time. I'm really thankful for him, but like in the end, I know even his goal is like to connect people to the father. He said, he actually told me recently, he's like, Mark, when I die, if people miss me, they might have missed the point of my life hmm. because the, wow. the entire point was to connect them to the Lord. And I was like, oh my gosh, Dude. that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So music was obviously big in your home. Yeah. Passed down from all of my aunts and uncles learning how to play guitar. So do all your siblings play or sing or? Yeah, we're all musical. Um, I would say I'm the only one who um, took the DNA and developed it mm -hmm. into like a career. Um, I think all of all of us would have been capable of that. But I, well, when I was four, I like started learning piano because my dad was getting ready for work. And then I said, dad, could you teach me a song on piano? And, and so he just sat down and played this little song. And then he went to brush his teeth and he heard me like plinking out the notes by ear. And then he was like, oh, something's going on now. Um, and so since then, my relationship with piano has just been built through quality time and minimal training, although the training I'm, I did get, I'm so thankful for, um, from Elsa Harris and Hayden Ashley. They taught me a bit about like close chord inversions, which like really just helped me understand like the key bed and get to know it um, yeah. better. But really, it's just been quality time with the piano and building relationship with it. 
Hannah's yeah, been a good. really close friend to me and that's where the Lord has met me and so many unidentifiable negative emotions in my childhood that I, I didn't know I needed help processing. I didn't know that I was maybe low-key depressed at certain points and mm. uh, didn't really have language for it, but the music did. Growing up, we would all sing together as a family and learn like multi-part harmony and um, kind of Von Trapp Barlow style. <laughs> um, and all of our Christmases and Thanksgivings and holidays are just like all of us and the extended family all just singing and dancing together. And so I, yeah, music is definitely like in my blood and in the culture of my family. And then we went to this church downtown Chicago called Living Word Christian Center. And that's where my dad um, was trained up for pastoral ministry and ordained. Um, and it's a big black mega church with like 18,000 members. Wow. And my family was one of two white families there. And nice. that was our home for like six years. And um, so that's where my love for gospel and soul music came from. And so a lot of like early soul and gospel forerunners, even to, to this day, there's so many classics I have not heard. All of my heroes in that church that I was growing up in were the ones who were in touch with that history. Yeah. And I was just getting it on Sunday mornings um, yeah, in cool. the form of an incredible world-class band and a gospel choir. And that seed was planted then. And now it's really like one of the two or three genres of music that I'm really passionate about and, and find a lot of delight in. So Chicago, most of your family's there. So how did you end up in California, especially with the significance of family in your life, the depth of legacy that you have yeah. to choose to step away from that? And not that you're stepping away from the family, but you know what I mean, to to yeah. go so far. Um, what was that call? How, how did you connect with Isla Vista? And what was that journey like? Yeah. Um, I like that question. My parents, as we grew up, like they always saw us as, as arrows and that one day we would be launched. And so that was understood. And um, their hope and desires has always been that we would go further than they could ever reach. Let's see. When I was 17, I had seen my mom and my dad and my sister and my brother all go to this Bible college called Karis Bible College. Um, and it was an extension school in Chicago, but the main campus is down in uh, Colorado Springs. I saw them all go to this Bible college post being ordained and all hmm. of them wanted to just spend more time soaking in grace teaching, the grace of hmm. God. And I saw Andrew Walmack's teaching on the grace of God transform my family in front of my eyes. And all of a sudden, there was more fruit of the Holy Spirit being born mm. left and right in our yeah. whole family culture. And strife was always like a really big deal in our in our home. And after going to Karis, like strife started getting weakened mm. and pulled down. And wow. that kind of blew my mind. And I was like, I need this fruit in my life. So I decided to go. And yeah. they had a two-year program that I went to. Graduated in 2014. And then I basically, for the first time in my life, looked at my calendar and I was like, God, you can do whatever you want with mm -hmm. my life and my time. September of 2014, I got a job offer in California because that's my oldest brother was, he was out here in Santa Barbara at the time and had been here for 12 years. And he offered me a job at this tech company that he was working at. And um, he said, if you want the job, we need you out here in three weeks. And so... I moved out here, got here and looked around for family and couldn't really find like a community of believers who, you know, saw the father uh, the same way and yeah. believed that the Holy Spirit is real and is working in the earth through the gifts. And a lot of people believe the fruit is real, but the gifts are not like, yeah, what the heck? I know. Right. Um, yeah. But I guess like six months into my, into my time in Santa Barbara, um, I got connected through random divine connections to Ryan Ellis, who was one of the Isla Vista worship leaders yeah. um, at the time. And he invited me over to the Jesus Burgers house where he was living at the time yeah. um, the following Wednesday. And I was like, okay, I, uh, it's really hard to find parking here. <laughs> walk over, walk up to the house. I knock on the door. They answered and let me in. And 
everybody was looking at me weird because I had knocked on the door and apparently that's not, that's, <laughs> that's not, not normal here. You kind of just <laughs> like you walk, just walk in. in. Yeah. Um, it's like a very tight knit community, kind of open door policy, like really mm-hmm. strong neighborhood vibe here. And that's like one of my favorite things about this place is like how tight knit it is. And within 10 minutes of meeting all these people in that living room and worshiping and praying together and praying in the spirit and prophesying over one another, I was like, this is my tribe. This is, Mm, these are the people I've been waiting to meet my entire life. Yeah. And (laughs) this place has continued to be that home for me for the past eight years now. And I'm so thankful. The city is so cyclical and people move in and out all the time. And so it's been a process of like learning to hold people with open hands, Yeah, friendships and ministry partnerships and expectations for the future. Mm. Everything is just open hands. And there's so many opportunities that have been offered to me here, but really I'm here on assignment from the Lord. And I can tell you about that in a second, but because I'm here on assignment, I've said no to so many opportunities. Mm. And that is the thing that has like allowed me to stay here for more than a year, more than three years. And I'm so thankful for that word that he spoke. Basically, when I first moved into Isla Vista, I started experiencing all of this like anxiety and depression and feeling like I didn't know who Mm -hmm. I was anymore, feeling like I didn't know my purpose. And a lot of these things that were just coming at me. And I was like, God, what is up with my thought life right now? And he said, son, you know who you are. You've just never been tested in it. Hmm. And this is the place where everything that I have made you now matters because you are no longer in the bubble that you grew up in. It's mm, good. And this is the place for everything in your identity to be solidified because hmm. it's all there. It just wow. needs to, all yeah. the ingredients are on the table. You just need to bake the cake as I was going. Oh, he spoke a second word to me in that moment. He also said, start praying for other people. Hmm. Cause when you start praying for other people, this downward spiral, that's all zoning in on you as the yeah, center. It's good. It's going to reverse when you pray for other people and your yeah, your heart is deal. going to open up and unwind. So and um, those two words like brought so much freedom for me because I could like, even just to hear his voice brought so much peace, um, but also helped me recognize that those thought patterns and those things were not coming out from the inside of me, that yeah. they were external. And yeah, it's good that practical wisdom for praying for other people really set me free as well. But um, at the time I got offered a position as a worship pastor in North County, San Diego at this church called glory mountain. Mm-hmm. And they offered me that uh, they offered me like a really amazing package. Uh, I was like, Oh my gosh, Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity. This is incredible. <laughs> I was 19. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That's... I was like, yo, this is so sick. <laughs> Like they're, they're going to give me a free car. They're going to give me free rent. Like the girl that I was dating was only an hour away at the time and just ideal package living with one of my best friends in the world. And, um, I was like, Jesus, thank you so much. This is amazing. (laughs) And he said, don't make a decision. I was like, what the heck? What do you mean? Don't make a decision. This is like, you made me for music. You made me for family. You made me for community. What do you mean? Don't make a decision. Yeah. And, um, and then I told him, I was like, listen, I don't have permission to make a decision. So I got to just sit tight for a second. And they're like, oh, good. No worries. And then I I went through this turmoil thing in my mind and things that are like in the spiritual atmosphere here in IV. I was living in a shed when all these thoughts were hitting me, pulling me down. And then when the Lord spoke those words to me, those two really helpful things you know who you are you've just never been tested in it and pray for other people and it's gonna Mm -hmm. like unwind your heart then he said this is what i'm gonna do in you and isla vista i'm gonna solidify everything Mm -hmm. that's inside of you but if you leave before i tell you to leave you'll be underbaked yeah it's good you 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 can go to san diego it's going to be comfortable but if you stay here you're you'll grow so i was like okay well let's just say yes to the test and um (laughs) you know, it's already started. It's going to have, I'm going to have to come back to it later if I don't complete it now. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's a big deal at 19 to be able to hear and choose, you know, um, because I think, you know, that, that package, you know, it checked all the boxes. (laughs) Yeah. You you know, 
you know, from that, you know, just those affirmations, the things that feel good, that, you know, approval and affirmation of man, like all the things and it's ministry. So it would yeah. be so easy to say yes to that. So at 19 yeah. years old, to be able to have the discernment and the ability to go, Lord, I want, yeah. I want to, I want to be where you want me to be. And, yeah. and not that like, you know, like, I love that you felt that he said, you can go there. I mean, you can, you know, cause he, he gives us the choice, right? Yeah. You can, and he's still going to meet you there, but it's probably going to be maybe a, you know, it's going to be not the ideal journey, but he yeah. is a redeemer. He's still going to work in you and move you. And all of those things, his kindness is still going to pursue you and meet you. Um, but for you to hear his voice and trust that he's a loving father, yeah. trust that he, this is for your good and his glory and to be able to mm. choose to say yes, um, that's significant, you know, and that's probably a product of the legacy that you have, that you've lived in a home where that was modeled you know, you had parents that even after they were after they were ordained and had incredible ministry experience, chose to want more and mm-hmm. to submit themselves into a, a, a environment where they could learn and grow. You know, yeah. So that was always modeled to you, and so here you are able to go, okay, Lord, I'm going to choose you. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe the uncomfortable. Yeah, wow. Because I know, you know, that there's going to be fruit from that. That's that's huge. It's cool. I've been I've been really thinking about this lately the past week or so trust with God mm. like how Jesus is so trustworthy yeah but but in his eyes am I trustworthy mm. and realizing wow like Jesus doesn't have anything to prove yeah. like he's already <laughs> proved it all yeah. He's already poured out a hundred percent of his love on the cross yeah, and he didn't good. spare an entire drop of blood because I'm, I'm loved unconditionally by the father. Yeah. But trust is something that we get an opportunity to build through relationship with him and through yeah, it's good. our obedience. And so it's interesting looking back at these moments of my life of choose your own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he encouraged me in a specific direction if I had gone in the direction that I wanted to go, as Mm -hmm. opposed to the direction that he encouraged me to go, things would be so different. And I would have missed out on so much. I'm so thankful for like opportunities to get to build trust with him because like, I want to see more of those moments happen where I can look back at my own preference and my own leaning and be like, you know what? Not to not to completely disregard like the way that he is growing us, obviously, because like I was 19 and it would have yeah. been so it like you said, it would have been so easy to just like do the thing that felt the best. But I think that our progression in our relationship with God is a process of like us building trust with him and him building maturity in us. Yeah. And I think that eventually he brings us to a place where we are a hundred percent led by the desires that he places in our hearts. But I don't think that that's the first step. I think that it starts with us learning to obey his voice and submit Mm -hmm. to his voice. And as that happens, we find our delight in him. And then as our hearts delight in him, then he gives us the desires of our hearts because our delight is our, our delight is him. Yeah, it's and there so good. isn't at that point there isn't anything we wouldn't give up for him. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's it you know that that verse, it's Psalm thirty seven, right? Um, four and five. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. But if you go back to verse four, three or four, trust in the Lord is the first beginning of that, right? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. So, am I willing to dwell here? <laughs> Feed on His faithfulness then delight yourself in the Lord. So if we start with trust, right. You know, it's like, like, okay, let me deal. Do I trust you? Mm, Okay. Let me process that with the Lord. You know, am I willing to dwell where he's placed me, where he's called me, where he's saying, Hey, if you trust me, just stay here. 
Um, and the way to stay there is to feed on his faithfulness and the truth of who he is. Right. So that, um, as I do that, my desires are going to start to align with his and that delight. So good. That delight is response. Right. So it's like it, you, that's the journey that God brought you on. Right. Which is, is so cool. I would love for you just for people who don't know much about Isla Vista, you mentioned Jesus burgers and the Jesus burger house. Like, can you share a little bit? It's a remarkable ministry, but I would love for you to share just what that environment's like and what the ministry actually is. Yeah, totally. It started back in 2001. Isla Vista has always had a wild history. Um, it's a crazy college party town that is the campus of University of California, Santa Barbara. And so um, it's 30,000 students crammed into one square mile. Yeah, that's where we live. That's crazy. Uh, back in 2001, a bunch of people got a glimpse of the heart of God for this city, mm-hmm. which was a rare thing to find somebody who's in touch with his heart for the city because most of Santa Barbara has given up on Isla Vista. It's an unincorporated suburb of Santa Barbara that is considered to be Sodom and Gomorrah. And so it's like Hmm. just perceived as this really dark place. And, you know, it's, it's the whole college party scene. It's drugs, sex, alcohol, date rape, you name it. But in 2001, God put it on a bunch of Westmont students' hearts to start praying for the city of Isla Vista and praying into God's future for the city. And then in those weekly prayer meetings, God spoke a word to one of them to have a barbecue in the park. And he just said, give away my love. Hmm. Um, and so they just started doing a barbecue in the park. And and then for the fi- first five to seven years, this weekly barbecue of just like, hey, here's a burger. Jesus loves you. You don't have to stand here and have a whole conversation if you don't want to. But if you're interested, we can talk about how Jesus has changed everything. And for the first five to seven years, the heart of the city was really closed off to the gospel and to Jesus. And then around the five to seven year mark, the heart of the city started opening up. And then eventually they gave us the name Jesus Burgers. They're like, yeah, let's go over to the Jesus people and get some Jesus Burgers. (laughs) And then eventually they just chopped off the front part and just called us Jesus Burgers. So the name stuck and um, we've just been doing this weekly barbecue in our front yard, which is at a house that's on the craziest party street of SoCal and um, called Del Playa. And on Friday nights from 10 p.m. to midnight, students are just hopping from party to party. They're just looking for a good time. And um, now, since it's been happening since 2001, there's a reputation of trust that has been built. People can come here and that the burgers don't have any poison in them that, you know, that like they can come and um, they're going to experience love and they're going to experience free food and just seeds being planted that are totally different than how the world has been manipulated to see Jesus and to yeah, see Christianity and, and the way of Jesus. Um, and it's this different representation. And because the reputation has been built over the past 20 years, um, whenever we do door-to-door ministry and we just knock on people's doors and say, hey, we're from Jesus Burgers down the street. We were your neighbors. We just want to see if we could pray for you for anything. And more often than not, they'll tell us, oh my gosh, you, you took care of me like last week. Mm-hmm. And, and like, please come in, let's talk and pray. And like, yeah. Yeah. That's um, good. And it's just an open door. Um, and that's just so amazing. I really believe Jesus is the desire of the nations. And so when we see him for who he really is, like our hearts just unlock. Yeah. Um, obviously there's those who choose to um, run away who choose to close off their hearts who choose to harden their hearts but i really believe that like jesus is the best pursuer of hearts and um he he really is the savior we don't gotta be the savior yeah it's good um and so i'm just it's an honor to be a part of this movement where there's like this momentum that's been happening for so long and i just get to jump in and um, be a part. My position here is I'm the worship pastor. And so I cover the Isla Vista worship team. And we have 18 people who are currently a part of the team. And in the history of Isla Vista worship, there's probably about 60 to 70 people who've been a part. Every year, it's a different crew. But uh, the past couple of years, it's been a lot more consistent. And I'm so thankful 
but yeah, we spend most of our time just like loving and serving our city and our local church and um, hosting the presence of God and worship. And then every once in a while we put out records and we record them on our dusty field in our storage containers. Um, before the storage containers, we had a garage and before that we had a 10 by 10 Home Depot shed. And so nice. everything that we record here is like very rugged and um, in the dirt. And, uh, but praise God, like that through the music, people have found out about Jesus burgers and this way to love yeah. people in a very practical, unconditional way. So Jesus burgers has now been spread all over the world. And like millions of people listen to the music that comes off of our field. There really isn't anything fancy going on here. Yeah, it's all good. very like small and low budget. And I think our strongest point in our culture as a family is that we're a family. Yeah, it's good. Um, our strength is not in our communication or in our vision or our direction. It's really just the fact that we're family and we love spending time together. Like how how have you guys succeeded in maintaining that organic kind of um because I think especially in the last 20 to 25 years of Western evangelical church, supernatural movements start and it's amazing. And then as the momentum and as we get in the age of social media, it like turns into a, a an organization. It turns into a thing. It turns into something that oftentimes kind of departs from where, where it started. And I don't mean that in a, in a critical way, but it can lose that kind of organic spontaneity and that like dependence that it was birthed out of. So how do you yeah. guys fight to keep it simple? You Like you said, you have this rotation. It's a collective. It's not a, you know, this band. So you have people coming in and out and now you guys have a reputation. You know, now you probably have kids that show up like, yeah, I want to be on the Isla Vista worship, you know, on the next project or whatever. Yeah. Like, so how do you pull it constantly pull it back to this place of simplicity and dependence. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's the like simplest way that I can put it. Um, it really is just, we're so dependent upon the Lord and we're just yeah. very zoned in on our city more than we are on our music. We don't really have like a whole lot of bandwidth to build an empire yeah, it's good. Um, which keeps our priorities straight. Yeah. Um, and there's little ways that we're building left and right to like make sure that Isla Vista continues to, in the future generations, be a creative hub on the coast where the world can like listen to the music that comes out of this place and be captivated by the beauty of Jesus through mm -hmm. the music, whether the music is about Jesus or about love or about whatever. One of our core values is wasting time together by wasting time. I mean, like just no agenda yeah, or just hanging out. Like mm -hmm. there isn't any productivity that we're going to link this time to when um, we make space and time for that. And then also there's our core value of the presence of God. And I think coming from a mega church background myself, I've found such a home here in leading worship and living rooms and uh, worshiping in garages and, and feeling like, wow, there's something so special about like a very small, tight-knit group of people going after the presence of God together. Well, and I think it's interesting too, because I think that, you know, we have a whole generation, not necessarily age, but generation in the church, so believers that haven't experienced worship outside of uh, the worship industry or church on Sundays with the stage you know, like there's, there's a whole generation of believers that have not experienced worship in the context of just a few people in a living room doing exactly what you said, just yeah. going after God's presence and being wanting just to be aware of him and singing and being family with him and with mm -hmm. one another. That's, that's something that I think a lot of people haven't even really tasted of. And so there is something profound in in that. And I think profound in that in this day and age, you know, post-COVID with a church, Big C, that's struggling to reorient themselves, right, mm -hmm. and kind of put their focus back where it should be. Um, but there's something really sweet and powerful about that, that intimacy, yeah. that relational 
And that was another question I was going to ask you, you know, coming from coming from a mega church, coming from a family that's so tight and so connected to the Lord and to God's presence. And then suddenly you're on this street in the middle of this city where all of the, all this chaos is breaking out and, you know, like, and you're saying yes to Jesus and you're saying yes to this, I will stay here and and be uncomfortable. What was that like for you? Because, you know, you kind of, you homeschooled, you're in this little bubble and now you're, you're, you're encountering all these kids who have come from all manner of histories and backgrounds and trauma and pain and everything else. Like, how has that been and how has that shifted and shaped your faith and your personal relationship with Jesus? I think it's opened me up to realize that he really is a father. The diversity of where his kids end up by their own choices doesn't really speak a whole lot to like his ability to father really well. You know, even his first kids rebelled and totally disconnected themselves from relationship with him. But he's still the best father that has ever been. So meeting all these kids on the street in any situation that they're in, seeing him as their father really helps to like connect really deeply and to not write anybody off and to not discount the value of somebody's life, um, even if they have thrown it all in the garbage. His value over their life is so massive because it's the infinite value of the life of Jesus. He paid the price for their life, which means that their life is infinitely valuable. That perspective has really helped a lot to bring me down to earth, to bring me down into this, like not seeing them as lower than I, yeah, that's um, good. and not to think of myself more highly than I ought, but bringing myself down into this place of like, Jesus is the one who comes down and meets us in the middle yeah, of our mess. And he says, I love you. And that I think has just radically shifted everything for me because growing up in a bubble, I was really isolated from any sort of exposure to any of these things. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for the way that the Lord has preserved the purity of my heart in this place. And it's only by his grace in a city that has a lot to offer in regards to the pleasures of this world. And I'm just so thankful that he has preserved me and yet has still kept me in a place where, and has been growing me in this place of being more adept at connecting with people in our humanity, like learning how to speak Christianese, how to talk like a, how to talk like a normal person. Yeah. It's a big deal. There's a lot of things that he has corrected me on in my perspective. Mm-hmm. And no, so I, I want to move to your music and um, specifically kind of parlaying off of this part of the conversation. There's um, what I love about your last, your solo project, Hymns and Soul, not to be confused with soul hymns. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> um, I mix it up. It's okay. Yeah. But I, I love, cause you integrated on, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the project, like, there's songs about relationship with God. There's songs about just love relationship in general, like you're integrating both. And I think we've, we've so segregated our kind of spiritual life from our regular life. Like we have, we're going to go and and meet with Jesus over here and we're going to, you know, sing our worship songs over here. And then I'm going to go listen to the radio. It's like, we've totally kind of separated everything. And I love that, that you've integrated it. It's not like, Oh, here's your secular project and your, your worship project. Like, no, this is a project because this is who you are and you're a son of God and you're creative and you love him and you're processing life and you're going to put it all on this project. And so, um, I just appreciate that. And I love that. And, um, yeah, like your creative process, um, you know, cause it's interesting that if you would have taken that position as a 19 year old, as a worship pastor, I would dare say that your trajectory even creatively would have gone a very different route. 100%. And so there's something really powerful about how you have stepped into creating, stepped into expression of your faith and stewarded all that. Yeah. The guy who started Isla Vista Worship, he first became the worship pastor here when he was in high school. And his name is Mac Montgomery. Amazing guy, amazing artist and creative and musician and producer and songwriter. And he's the one who back in high school, he was 
in our house of prayer, which is our garage here that we worship in. And he was just weeping and pouring out his heart to the Lord and just saying, God, send artists and creatives and musicians and worship leaders here to Isla Vista, that Isla Vista would be a creative hub on the coast of California, that people would look at this place and experience your beauty through the art that is made here and that they would be radically encountered and changed for the rest of their lives. And like, he just would pour out these prayers. People would make fun of him because nobody thought anything good was going to come from Isla Vista. And then he got a vision to like plug in a microphone and his guitar one time as he was Mm -hmm. leading worship, which for our movement was a really big deal because at the time there was 10 people and they were like, Mac, why are you plugging in? Like, it's just 10 of us. And we can hear you. <laughs> but he he was, he's a prophet and he mm-hmm. um, saw something and he started moving toward it and stewarding that word. Coming up under his leadership and learning from him for two and a half years before he passed off the movement to me and moved away and continued in his artistry career. Learning under him was so incredible. Um, And he's still like one of my heroes in my life because of how freely he encouraged me to just like make what was in my heart and how he modeled that by example, always stayed so authentically true to what was in his heart. And there are seasons where he's like, I cannot lead worship right now. Yeah. Uh, All that I have is a whisper Mm -hmm. to just whisper to the Lord. I that's all I want to do is I want to go to the top of a mountain and just whisper to him. Hmm. And I, I have to be true to that. And then there's other seasons where he's just like pouring his heart out and it's, he's just like belting, letting his voice rip. That dynamic of being honest with where his heart is at has really encouraged me to um, feel free to go wherever the Lord is leading me to go with, with this and also remain true to the emotions that come up in my heart. Yeah, it's good. We read the book of Psalms and there's there's a home for most every emotion. Yeah. In these songs that he was writing. Yeah. So that's a bit about that. No, it's good. I you know, I think that it's a dangerous place when we feel like we can't be honest yeah. with the Lord and we can't be honest with the things that we have inside. Because at the end of the day, he is the safest place to go with all of that. But if I create this thought that I can't be honest with myself or with him, that's when we get in trouble. So there's something really powerful and what a gift to kind of be under leadership that modeled that and gave you permission to then do that as well. It's pretty significant. You're 19 years old, you have that conversation with the Lord and you choose to stay. Now you're what, eight years in? Yeah. So I am now 27 years old, about to be 28. Yeah. It's been eight years in Santa Barbara and this January, it'll be It'll be eight years in Isla Vista. How have things shifted? How have you seen fruit of that choice Mm -hmm. to stay in the place of potential discomfort and say yes to that invitation from the Lord? Um, I mean, I mentioned a little bit of like learning to hold people with open hands. And that has been the most uncomfortable thing, especially now being as of 2017, being in a pastoral position here and working against the temptation to try to control anybody's life or decisions. Yeah, it's good. Even though I'm given a position of influence, if I'm not empowering people to follow the voice of the Lord for themselves, yeah. And if I'm if I'm not empowering people and giving even a safe place for people to fail, yeah, it's good. Then then I'm just teaching them to be dependent upon me. Yeah, so good. And I can't do that. Yeah, I, That would violate my conscience. And I feel like that's um, something that I'm still actively growing in, which I don't know if I'll ever grow out of uh, fully. It's just process of like learning how to better and better support and challenge people Yeah, in that left, right hand ambidextrous type of way. And Support and challenge is the combination that anybody needs to be truly liberated to accomplish their highest calling in Christ and to be who they were designed to be in the first place. If I only challenge them, that can yield control and a whole lot of bad fruit. Yeah, if good. I only support them, it can actually coddle them and, and yeah. bu- bubble wrap them and um, they never grow. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so it's the the 
combination of both, the way that my heart holds people has been in constant flux. Yeah. And it's just an interesting journey, you know, having to hold my expectations so open to like truly free people up from my expectations so that my heart toward them does not change regardless of whether they're in my life or not in my life anymore, regardless of how close we are in, in, in season and out of season and not taking anything for granted and understanding that I, I don't deserve anything. None of us deserve Mm -hmm. anything. Life is a gift. The word worthy only pertains to the Lord and um, grace is a gift anyways. And God doesn't ever give us what we deserve. So why would we ever use that word in regards to us? Mm, Um, Yeah, it's good. And these things just really help me to set up my heart to just for longevity. Those are the things that have really helped sustain in the past eight years. Lately, I've just been thinking about trust with God and learning about that and discovering like, wow, he has been so faithful to me this entire time. But I feel like there's more trust that I get to build with him. Mm, It's good. And becoming more trustworthy. A lot of that lately has to do with regular intimacy with him and learning about my relationship with God and learning about how that has changed over the years unintentionally has been a bit devastating to look at. Um, Mm. And so I'm just looking at the future and I'm very hopeful for my relationship with him to go deeper than ever before, because I want to be 90 years old and still desperately in love with Jesus and burning for him. But if I'm going to make it there, then that means I've got to build consistency now. He's the one who pursues, but there are very practical things that we can do to prep ourselves for encounter. And in the charismatic circles, especially, we just want to get swept away in an encounter. Yeah. But there is, there's an opportunity in our relationship with God to create margin and to create space and time for him to fill Yeah, yeah. instead good. of him, instead of him being forced to just fill the scraps that we give him. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. And so I've been really challenged in that lately because on Friday I hit burnout or at least the closest I've ever been to burnout Hmm. and somehow have always avoided being fully burnt out until more recently when I hit, when I hit Friday, I got so tired that I got sad, which for me is, is a big warning sign in my spectrum of emotions and what's normal for me. And so that was a really big warning sign. And I talked to my dad the next day. And then my pastor the day after that. And both of them gave me a lot of wisdom that was lending itself to creating margin in my life. So right now I'm kind of in a rebuild season and saying no to a lot of hangs, saying no to a lot of opportunities to just be in my chair, in my room, to just read the word and journal and play my guitar. And it's so, like I said, devastating to look back and realized that for so long I have been living off of yesterday's manna, manna from three months ago. And we were never designed to live like that, but that's how I lived. And unfortunately, my own self-effort and strength carried me way further than I should have gone without leaning on him daily, without hearing his voice daily. And so have just been really challenged lately to be eating for myself. And I'm truly in a place where I am at my end and I need to be eating daily bread again. And I am realizing that I've been starving for a while, not taking care of myself. And obviously it's, it's his breath in my lungs. So he's really been the one who has sustained my life, but it is unwise for me to go so long without daily bread. Um, Even having an encounter with him today is not going to sustain me tomorrow. Like the thing that he has for me tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm just in this place of being really humbled by my own weakness, being Mm -hmm. really humbled by my own inconsistency and realizing how faithful he is and that he's the one who pursues and he's waiting for me in the secret place. You've got to come away. And so that's what he's doing right now in my heart. And I wouldn't say I'm super in touch with even my own emotions right now because I've been living so overwhelmed without any margin. And so I'm just really excited for connecting with him, being the gateway to being alive again and yeah, feeling it's so things good. again 
Yeah. That's so good. It's so powerful because I think, you know, especially when we're in ministry, it's so easy for what we do for the Lord to be taken as our time with him. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, and that's and, exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly. And and it happens over and over again. And and gosh, his kindness and his patience, right, with us to just kind of be sitting there going, yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> I'm right here. But that yeah. whole, you know, proximity doesn't equal presence, right? I can he yeah. I'm I'm always in his presence. But those the times that I am intentionally coming into his presence to be yeah. with him. And that's where everything should start and we tend to do the opposite. We go till we we can't anymore and then we fall into that place versus starting in that place. It's powerful and just uh, for you to be able to recognize that and and desire that and to choose to yeah. pursue that is is awesome i have been giving all of my time to people and none of it to him mm-hmm. and it's all the love in my heart that he placed there mm-hmm. for people but if that love does not have any boundary or guidance then there isn't any left for him yeah i was just really it's been a humbling week well it's good god's going to honor that acknowledgement you know and that willingness to hear and he's going to meet you and so i bless you in that pursuit is thank um, you so he much he will meet you there and thank you for taking the time and for um your ministry and and for you know for someone who's 27 almost 28 to to live your life with the um desire and the awareness and the willingness to hear and to respond to his voice is significant. And so trust that and um, have grace for yourself in the process because he has way more grace for you than you do. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you know? true. And all of that. But um, yeah, I so appreciate your your heart and your ministry and just God bless you in all Thank that you. you are stewarding as you walk with him. It's good. Thanks for being yeah. here. So Mark was incredibly generous and allowed me to use one of his tracks, My Portion, for this reflective moment. Sometimes I do a Selah where I kind of lead you into sitting with the things that were discussed and talked about. So instead of doing that, um, I'm going to let Mark's uh, music and his art lead you. So sit back and just take a moment before you move on with your day and just sit with the Lord and listen to this. Enjoy.
tell you that track has ministered to me so much and I hope it did to you too and I just want to encourage you go support Mark support Isla Vista there's links in the episode notes you can find his music and the Isla Vista worship music all over streaming platforms they're an amazing ministry and they're worthy of your attention your investment and um, they will minister to you I 100% assure you. (laughs) And hey, if you want to support this ministry and the production of this podcast and other projects by Stockton Ministries, so that includes the dwell meditations, prayer class, I want to resource people to grow in their intimacy with Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to invest and partner with us, Uh, I would really ask you to prayerfully consider making an investment to partner with us. Um, These things cost money, um, and we're not doing it to make money. We're doing it to just offer resources. So you can follow the links in the episode notes or go to my website, genastockton.com, and click the donate button in the top right-hand corner. I hope you have an incredible week that you know that you're seen, you're known, and you are loved. We'll see you next time in the sacred space.